Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made was of clay, clay was marred in the hand of the potter. I want you to notice he didn't drop it. It was marred in God's hand. It was marred in the hand of the potter. See, the Lord marred that thing. For years I preached around it, marred and fell on the ground. Oh, don't say nothing about it falling. Bible said, and the vessel, verse 4, that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel that seemeth good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the hand of the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. I want you to notice he said, And the clay, or the vessel, was marred in the hand of the potter. I want us to bow for just a word of prayer. Would you bow for prayer, please? I'm going to pray and then bring you the message tonight when God breaks us all to pieces. And I believe that God will speak to your heart in my heart, and God will speak to this church. Father, we thank you tonight. Oh, how blessed it is to feast at heaven's table land. How blessed it is to come in the house of God and hear these great hymns. Oh, to sing the song of Zion. I'm glad that you placed a melody in our hearts and we can rejoice in song. Then our Father, thank you for this church and for the Bible Institute and the Christian Day School and all of these. Bless Pastor Bell and guide this great church. May it never deviate from soul winning and exalting the Lord and preaching the Word. May it always be a place where hungry men and women can come and be fed of heavenly manna. I pray that you'd speak and move in these days of jubilee, that this church and these fine young men may be inspired to go out and carry the word of God to the lost and the dying, to those that need God. And our Father, I pray that you'd bless this message. You know why that you changed us. You know why that you turned our thinking even today to this thought. And I pray that you'd bless every heart and bless every soul. And God save tonight that precious soul that's lost. And bless your people and stir this house tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, tonight for a few minutes I want to speak to you on the thought of the thing when God breaks us all to pieces. Let me say this to everyone here. You'll never do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ until you're broken. You may have all eloquence and you may have all of the ability and the gifts. But my friend, if you're never broken, you'll never be used of the Holy Spirit. All men that ever been that ever been used have been broken in. There's got to come a time in your life. There's got to come a time in the life of the Christian when he's broken. You say, why? Because your pride's got to be broken. Listen, yourself, ego's got to be broken. All this high-mindedness has got to be broken. And you've got to recognize that God can break you. And I'm so glad that I've been broken. Oh, how hard it was when he picked up the broken pieces. But I want to say this has been blessed as he took me, put me back on the wheel and made me over again. My beloved friends, tonight God breaks his people all the pieces. And what a blessing it is. You show me a school. You show me a man. You show me a church that's doing things for God. I'll show 
you a church and a school and a, and a man of God that has been broken to pieces. What a blessing it is when the Lord breaks us and then makes us according to the image of His dear Son. It's a blessing to be broken. Hallelujah. And Job said, God picked me up by the neck and God broke me to pieces. You know, I get so tired of hearing preachers today that never preach about the chastening hand of God. Some preachers never preach on hell. They never preach on the negative side. It's all this love stuff. You know, I heard a preacher the other day and he came out and he said to his TV audience, I was in a motel, he said, the Lord is going to do something good for you today. And I thought, my, wouldn't you, can't you see John the Baptist coming out and saying, the Lord's going to let something good happen? Why, bless your heart, old John the Baptist came out of the wilderness and brother, he came preaching, repenting for the kingdom of heaven is a man. And we need some kind of preaching in this day and hour. But all that God can break us. And when God breaks us, it's wonderful. I took my pencil. I went through the Word of God to find out some broken things. Let me give them to you tonight. And I want you to take your pencil and write them down. First of all, there's the broken ground. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Oh, so not among thorns, but break up the fallow ground. Did you know that stony ground? If you'll turn to the New Testament, chapter 13 of Matthew, you'll find the seven parables of Matthew chapter 13. In that great scripture, you'll find Jesus in a boat, and he talks about a sword that went forth to sow. Some seed fell on stony ground. That's fallow ground. And my friend, let me say this to you, until that ground is broken, the seed cannot germinate, and the seed cannot come up, and the seed cannot reproduce, because there's no reproduction, as long as the ground's hard and stony. If you'll turn to Matthew 13, the Bible said, and the sun came, and that's persecution, and scorched the seed, because it had no depth, and it had, my friend, no way of growing, or no way of reproducing. And so the Bible said, break up your phallogram. My daddy used to, he was a great man for preachers. You know, my daddy knew real preaching. He did. He, he, went to, he was a... He was acquainted with J. Wilbur Chapman and Bill Sunday Cyclone Mack, and, and he used to drive all over the country to hear Sam Jones. But my grandmother never did know much about preaching. And I like for Granny to come hear me preach. I was a little old young preacher. I was going to college, and I was preaching and shouting up there in the hills of North Carolina. I never forget Granny would come hear me, and I'd cut wagon wheels and shout, go rap section, and we'd have us a time. And Granny would come down after I'd get through and say, Maze. Did you know you're the best preacher I ever heard? I'd say, did you read? What did you say, Granny? She'd say, you're the best preacher I ever heard. <laughs> I'd say, well, me and you know that, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> and oh, listen, brother. You know what Granny would say? Why, she said, if John the Baptist were to come, he couldn't carry your briefcase. I said, do you really believe that, Granny? And then I'd get in the car and start home, and I'd say, Daddy, how'd you like that sermon? He'd say, well, son, if you'll keep on praying, after a while, you'll be able to do a little better. And boy, you talk about deflating, and you talk about taking my ego. He took it away. But I was a little boy. My daddy took me down over to Statesville, uh, State Street, North, State Street in Asheville, North Carolina, to hear an old Nazarene preacher. His hair was white as snow. And he got up and had to hold to the back of the pulpit. Daddy said, son, you're going to hear a real preacher. 
That old preacher was tongue-tied. And he got to preaching, and he said, I want to preach to you about Jesus. I wouldn't even say, but the back of my hair stood straight up just like that. That old preacher got to preaching. And he said to me, I said to the congregation that night, he said, when I was a boy in Oklahoma, he said, me and my brother was planning old moon. He couldn't talk plain. He called him Mool. And he said, while we was playing that Mool, he got tubbered and wouldn't plow. And said, the ground was hard. And he said, I wanted that old Mool to plow. And said, you know what I did? Now, nah, Sister Wigman, he said, my brother said, Uncle, I said, buddy, go in the house and get some newspapers. And said, we'll make that old Mool plow. I said, I went in the house, got some newspapers and put them under that Mool. And said, I struck a match. And said, when that flame hit that Mool tummy, said, he ain't taught plowing since. Said, I want to tell you something. He plowed up all of that hard ground. Somebody said, what do you want to do? I want to start a fire under some of these badness that need to plow up the hard inside of them. Bless God, they need to go deeper and plow this thing up. Somebody said, preacher. Yes, sir. And daddy got me all the books of Uncle Buddy. And I will forget reading about this man that I heard as a little boy. He said he was after his wreck. He went to the hospital and took him to Catholic hospital. And there in the Catholic hospital, said one of the nuns, said he dead. Said Uncle Buddy, said I twitched my eye and said, that what you think? I ain't dead yet. And said, said about that time the nun came over and said, I want you uh, to, uh, 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 to ask him, does he want to confess, uh, not the confessional. And said the young priest came over and leaned over Uncle Buddy and said, would you like for me to uh, hear the Lord confessional? And Uncle Buddy said, yeah. I'd like for you to hear my confession. He said, what do you got to confess? Uncle Buddy said, I'm saved and sanctified. Bless God. That's what I want to confess tonight. I want to tell you something, brother. Oh, you say, brother, me. But he said, I know what it takes to break up the fallow ground. My friends, I came from the mountains. I know what it takes to break up those roots and all that old hard ground. And brother, it's going to take some preaching with the season with the Holy Ghost. And it's going to take God to break up the phylogram. So the first thing that needs to be broken, there needs to be the breaking of the phylogram. Secondly, there needs sometimes the breaking of the body. Oh, you say, what do you mean? Sometimes God has to break our bodies before we can be used for God. Sometimes God can't use you with two good hands. Sometimes God can't use you with two good eyes. Sometimes God can't use you with two good feet. Sometimes God has to let us be broken in body. If you'll turn to Psalm 32, David said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But he said, My bones broke in my body. My beloved friends, David, knew what it was to have a broken body. And the Word of God says that his body was, and his bones broke. Can you imagine him walking down the street, and while he's walking, his bones are popping, cracking his body. My friend, God had to break him. But David said, after, after God broke me and afflicted me, I never did go astray again. So sometimes our bodies must be broken. If you hear the broadcast, and by the way, I heard it this morning. I didn't know we could pick it up. If you'll turn Monday morning at 10.30 at number 5, the first station on your dials in Maryland, you can pick up our broadcast. We heard it clear today. Now listen. Uh, but I have a theme song. I've used it for years. And it goes like this. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You know who wrote that song? 
when she was two weeks old, someone took a solution to wipe her eyes out, and she was blind the rest of her life. And her name was Fanny Crosby. And when she was 92 years old, before she died, somebody leaned over and said, Fanny! said, you know, you've been blind all of your life. She said, yes, but honey, I've been able to see things that I couldn't have seen if I had the two good eyes. And it was Fanny Crosby that wrote over 700 songs. And it was Fanny Crosby that wrote, this is my story, this is my song. Praise my Savior all the day long. Brother, she knew what it was to have her eyesight gone. And she was a broken vessel. Sometimes God has to break our bodies. Uh, you remember old, I like this uh, about Jacob in, uh, in Genesis. Uh, he's wrestling all night. Listen, that angel could have flipped his little finger, knocked Jacob all the way down that hill. But you know, they're wrestling together. And that angel said, let me loose. I believe under his breath, he said, hold on if you want to bless it. <laughs> I tell you, I believe, I believe that angel hollered. Let me go! I can't be around here at daylight. Let me go. I believe under his voice he said, Hold on, honey, if you want a blessing. I'll bless you. And Jacob held on. And just before daylight, my Bible says that angel blessed him, knocked his thigh out of joint, and made him crippled so he couldn't run from Esau. And brother, that's the greatest blessing that came to Jacob's life. God had to cripple him so he couldn't run. Maybe God has to cripple some of his children, has to break our bodies so we can be used for the glory of God. But there's something else tonight. Not only is there the broken ground, not only is there the broken body times, but in the Bible it says there's the broken roof. It says in Mark 2, and I like the gospel of Mark, it's full of action. I hate these things that dead and dragged out. I like something, Brother Scott, to juice in it and fill with action. But the Word of God says, and there was a man sick with palsy, and four men got stirred because they heard that Jesus was preaching the Word. Now let me say this to you young men and to you people in the church. God's promised to bless one thing, and that's the preaching of the Word of God. This book shall not come back void. Cast it out on the waters. The bread will return after many days. It's the Word of God that's going to count and preach the blessed Word of God. The Bible said Jesus was preaching the Word, and they heard it was noised about. Don't be afraid to advertise. You know, we got some folks say, well, don't advertise. Let everybody in the country know. Amen. Let them know what God's doing and what God can do. We need to advertise. I live in a city that several years ago a man made a little solution. He said, I'll sell it for headaches. You'd come in that little drugstore, and I need something on a headache. He'd say, all right, I got some Coca-Cola, and he'd give it to you for a headache. Because it was in Atlanta, Georgia, on a little, in a little drugstore, that the man uh, took and made the solution for Coca-Cola. And did you know that more people around the world know about this little fat-bellied bottle called Coca-Cola than they do the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And Coca-Cola says we need to advertise because it's the real thing. But I want to tell you something. Bless God, we need to advertise because we've got the real thing. Hallelujah. Brother, you talk about the real thing. We've got the real thing, and it'll stand when the world's over. And the Bible says, 
Four men got stirred. Didn't say the whole town. Four men got stirred. Went down, got that fellow sick of palsy. Brought him up. They said, how are we going to get in? The crowd was scattered there. And uh, one of them said, let's get a crowbar and, and let's break in that roof. <laughs> I don't know whether they were singing the doxology or not. But, brother, can't you see them? They sold bonds to get that little house and, and they'd fix it all up. <laughs> oh, Sister Highbrow was sitting there that morning listening. And, gee, and about that time, a piece of plastic. I said, boop, hit her on top of the head. And I imagine she said, don't look now. <laughs> but somebody's breaking his roof in around here, children. I want to tell you something. Oh, but you say, Brother Lee, that's going to the extreme. Listen to me, God. They get people to Jesus. There should never be an extreme to that. If you're rescuing the perishing, caring for the dying, snatching them from sin and pitying the grave, the greatest job in the world is to rescue the perishing men and women that need Jesus Christ. What a blessing. So they broke in that roof. And the Bible said, let him down. And Jesus healed him. And he went home, brother, because he came. And they broke in that roof. What a blessing that is. In the Bible, it also speaks about the broken net. Luke chapter 5 said they fixed all night and caught nothing. And they quit. Listen to me. Brother, you don't quit. I hear preachers talk about, I'll quit. You don't quit if God calls you, mister. Bless God, this is a job that, that men don't quit. I, years ago when I lived in Greenville, I had a pastor, and, and they called him Duck. You know why they called him Duck? Because he, he he, he'd preach like a duck. He'd, he'd say, you got to be born again, quack. And he'd say, when you get born again, you got to live right, quack. And you say, well, I wouldn't like that. That's good quacking anyway, whether you like it or not. Bless God, he could quack for Jesus. And I... I was a young evangelist. <laughs> I was a member of his church, and he'd come over on Monday morning and say, I'm going to resign. I'd say, if you do, God will kitty quack. And he'd say, I'm going to quit. I said, if you do, God will kill you. And so one Sunday, one Monday morning, I got in from meeting, old duck came over. I'm going to quit quack. I said, God will kitty quack. I'm quitting quack. I said, you're like those fellows in Luke 5. You place your nets up, you clean them up, and you quit. You're not going to fish anymore for souls. I said, God will kill you. He said, he may do it quack, but I'm quitting. You ever been to Greenville? He went down to a little place called San Susish. He went under a, <laughs> a green light, and a lady coming this way didn't see that it was red, and she ran that red light. And that car jammed his fin uh, side of the door and just bruised his knee real good. But when he got his car stopped, he scooted out the side. He went walking around. I'm going back quack. I'm going back quack. I'm going back quack. And the lady got out. And the lady said, what did you say? He said, I'll tell you what I said. I'm going back to preaching quack. Bless God. That's what I I want to tell you, my friend, if you think you can stop, you can't stop, brother. You'd better go back to preaching, Clark. You'd better go back to serving God, Clark. But you know what? Bible said Jesus told him, said, take those nets and launch out in the deep. It's so sad today, the shallowness of modern-day evangelism. Brother, I'm ashamed of evangelism in this day. It's make a little season, sign a little card. And brother, listen to me. We fill our churches with folks that have never been born from above. And brother, we fill our churches.
churches uh, with carnal people that know nothing about the depths of God's love and the deep things of God. Somebody said, preacher, yes, sir, you need to launch out in the deep. Uh, Jesus said, launch out in the deep and let on the other side. You know what you get around the edge? Oh, oh, a bunch of old snares and snags and tadpoles and snakes. Uh, but if you get out in the deep water, uh, thank God there's some fish out there. Uh, and you need to get a little deeper and ankle deep, bless God, and get deep with God. I was talking about a preacher last night. He helped build my daddy a pond. Daddy gave it to me, 11 feet deep. Coldest water in the world, Hendersonville, North Carolina. If you don't believe me, go up there. And I'd go out there as a little boy. I'd stick my toes in that water. Oh. Daddy would say, son, I, I had that built for you now. Get out there and swim. And I'd say, oh, it's too cold. He'd say, you can't learn how to swim unless you get in. And I got brave enough, I'd get on the diving board. <laughs> And I'd take my toe and stick it in the water. And when I stick it in the water, I'd say, Ooh, daddy said, Get in, Mace! And one day when I was on the diving board and wasn't looking, my daddy ran out and said, Here we go. And brother, he threw me up there, and I hit the water. Blah, 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 blah. Boy, when I came up out of that water, I said, Daddy, I'm going to drown! He was going to the house. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, You'd better swim. Someone said, What did you do? He went to the house. What do you think I did? I swam. Brother, listen to me. I got out of that water. But you know how I learned how to swim? I had to get deep enough. Brother, you've got to get in deep enough water to learn how to swim. I'd like to grab some of these folks that stay ankle deep and throw them over here. And bless God, get them so deep. That's how you fell with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Get deep enough with God. And the Word of God says, and they launched in the deep. And when they pulled that net, they said, hey, boys. I hear Simon Peter must say, hey, boys, we got a snag. They said, snag nothing. <laughs> said, this thing's breaking. We got such a hole. Glory to God. We've left down. And the nets are breaking. Listen, did you know Virginia Beach is waiting for somebody to let down the net? Virginia's waiting for somebody to go deep enough with God. They let down the net and bring in a hole. What a great blessing that is, my friend. But here's something else tonight. There are the broken loaves and the broken fishes that you'll find in John chapter 6. And Jesus walked along that day and said, Hey, Philip, said, oh, you're hungry. What are we going to do? Don't you worry about Jesus, brother. He's got some, he's got some bread. He's got some fish. And the Bible said, Philip said, three, three, two hundred penny worth wouldn't be enough. About that time, Andrew said, Jesus, here's a little boy's lunch. Jesus said, let him sit down. And they sat down on the green grass. God fixed them a tablecloth. And they sat down, and the Bible said that Jesus gave thanks, and he broke the bread, and he broke the loaves, and he fed uh, the, the 5,000 people. I never will forget the second time. I, uh, first time I was over Jerusalem, I was down at Capernaum, and I had an old modernist guide. My guide got sick, and boy, I'll tell you what's the truth. The only kind of liberal guy I like is a liberal giver. That's the only kind I like. Brother, that's the only one. And this guy, he kept saying, but we got down there. He said, now here's where the Lord supposedly fed the 5,000. I said, come again. He said, here's where the Lord supposedly fed the 5,000. I said, come again. He said, I said, leave that supposedly out. Here's where the Lord fed the 5,000. 
He said, do you believe that Jesus actually broke the bread and the pieces and fed him? I said, I do. With the lad's lunch, I said, glory to God. He could multiply the loaves and the fishes by the sea. And I said, if you don't believe it, what do you believe happened? He said, when Andrew handed Jesus that lunch, said, Jesus held the lunch up and they all laughed and thought they ate and were filled. <laughs> And he, I said, you surely are not that stupid to believe that. You finished the University of Israel uh, over Tel Aviv, and you mean you believe? He said, I believe that. I said, there's just one thing wrong. I said, what are you going to do with those 12 basketfuls <laughs> that they picked up, bless God, after they got through, they picked up 12 basketfuls. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't know what you think about them. I said, there's 12 unbelieving Baptist preachers up the road. He sent them one apiece. Bless God. I let him know that he could feed the multitude. Somebody said, Brother Mays, what did he do? Listen to me. I showed that for him. This is what I believe now. I, I'm just, I just believe that. He took that bread and blessed it, and then he broke it. And every time he'd break that loaf, he'd jump out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every time he'd break it, he'd jump out. And every time... Until he just kept picking it up. <laughs> I told my wife when I went to the Holy Land, I said, if I can find that loaf of bread, bless God, you just keep on breaking. I said, we'll never have to go to the bakery anymore. Hallelujah. Brother, he'd break it and he'd just fed the multitude. Let me give you something. Years ago, I was down in Thompson, Georgia. Raymond Jennings, Brother Bell knows him. Some of you from Tabernacle know him. And Raymond's my son. We went to Thompson, Georgia. We, the, the auditorium of the Baptist Church was too small. We went to the... Auditorium to high school that night. 1,100-something people but count were there. Now I said, Raymond, if God don't save 50 people, boy, I'll tell you it's going to disappoint me. And boy, I'll tell you, fellas, you young people, you young fellas, I'm telling you, when the God used to wouldn't save people, it'd stir me, and I'd get in the woods, and I'd pray and weep over souls. And I, I just couldn't get away from it. And that night, when I got through preaching, you listen. I stood there, and they led singing, and a little bitty freckle-faced, red-headed girl came down. And I walked over and said, God bless you, honey. She said, I want to be saved. I said, he's the saving business. And she got saved, and that's the only one in 1,100-something people that night. And I fussed all the way back to Greenwood. I said, Lord God, I wanted a 50 people saved, and 49 didn't come. I finally moved to Atlanta, Georgia, several years later. Knock came to my door one day. Beautiful lady and her daughter standing there, 22-year-old daughter. And she said, do you remember me? I said, no. Beautiful red-headed lady. I said, no, ma'am, I don't remember you. She said, Brother Mays, I'm the little red-headed girl that got saved that night in the school auditorium down in Thompson, Georgia. And she said, I finished high school. I've just finished Tennessee Temple College, and I'm going to be a missionary. I thought I'd come back and tell you. I stood there, and the tears ran down my cheeks. She said, Mays, I wasn't much that night. But I was the loaves and the fishes, and Jesus is going to break them and feed the multitude. Oh, you say, Brother Mays, God can take the loaves and the fishes, and Brother, he can bless Let me give you something. When I was saved, I came on back and I started this Bible college. And two summers I went to Bavard College. That's modern. It's a part of Duke University, and that's all you got to say. I never will forget I went in the Bible introdu biblical introduction class. And I still got my notes. Fellas, keep every note you have. I kept every, I've got every note I had. I've got every note I've ever revival. When I go hear Billy Kelly preach, I keep his notes. I, I don't care who it, if I hear a man lecture here in the class, I'll keep his notes. 
And you know, I kept the notes. I wish I'd get rid of it, but I can't. I reminded you know what it said? It's definition of holy scriptures. Here's what they gave me. Sifted Jewish and Hebrew literature. I just put down, that's what you say. I put 2 Timothy 3.16, hallelujah. Amen! So I said, that's right. Someone said, it didn't bother you? No, I just shot it anyway and went right on. And oh, listen, I was up there those two months and I thought about it. I said, oh God, I want you to help me. Well, I was going up there. I was going to preach at my home church. And on Saturday night, I said, God, I'm going to quit preaching. I said, now, God, I'm going to quit preaching. I'll teach Sunday school class. I'm not going to preach after in the morning. I'd made up my mind to quit. I got up that morning and preached and squalled and cried and shouted. Got through preaching. I went stand at the door, shaking hands of those little mountaineers. Little mother, little mountain mother came. I didn't know her name. She began to cry. She reached up and got me with her hand and said, Mays Jackson, don't you keep me awake till 4 o'clock anymore in the morning. And I said, lady, I didn't keep you awake till 4 o'clock in the morning. She said, oh, yes, you did. Said, I couldn't go to sleep. Said, God told me you was going to try to quit preaching. And I held on to God till 4 o'clock this morning. Said, about a quarter to 4, God told me. Said, don't worry, he's not going to quit. Said, he'll be preaching. That little mother looked at me, and she said, Brother Mays, I want to tell you something. Oh, she said, I want you to know this. God showed me that when they put my body down here in the mountains, and when I've been forgotten, and she said, I'll be forgotten. She said, God showed me you'd go up and down this country preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, I'm so glad that I could stay awake till 4 o'clock in the morning for you to keep you in the harness. Oh, you say, Brother Mays, thank God. I'm glad somebody stayed in the way for me. God can take the loaves and the fishes of a mountain mother, and God can keep you in the, in the right path Oh, for the bread that's broken in the hands of the Savior. But I've got to go on. Here's something else tonight. There's the broken alabaster box. The Bible said the woman came beforehand and broke that alabaster box and poured it on Jesus. Oh, what a blessed picture that is. Said she believed in the death and the burial and the rest. She believed that they're going to crucify him. She believed he's going to die. And she came and poured it on him. Let me give you something tonight. My friend, when you have an alabaster box and it's very precious, bring it to Jesus. Give him the best you have. I've heard people say, I'll give him my rags. God don't want your rags. Brother, he wants the best you have. God wants the best. This woman had a beautiful box of spangler of ointment, of very precious. And she bought the best thing she had. And she broke it. And she poured it on Jesus. It was a costly gift. It was a great gift that caused people to criticize her. You know, you'll be criticized if you take a stand for God. I don't care about the criticism anymore. One old lady wrote me to Atlanta and said, Preacher Mace, said, I want to tell you something. Said, I want you to know, said, you're, said, you're just a crackpot. I said, the little cracks where the light got in. And I said, I'm not worried about being a crackpot. I'm not worried of what the world says about me. I want to show you something. You'll be criticized. She brought the best she had. And then she came in time. She didn't wait till after Jesus was dead on that cross. She came beforehand to anoint his body to bearing. And I will forget several years ago, I first got saved. And I, 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 I knew God called me to preach. And I didn't want to preach. I got in my daddy's car and went out to a place called Upward. I parked there at the Baptist church. 
I said, now, God, I'll be a Sunday school teacher. And I, I was a skinny fellow and had more hair and liver on you. you never seen so much hair in your life. And I said, I'm not going to preach. And the Lord said, yes, you are going to preach. And I said, no, I'm not going to preach. And I said, thank you. I'll do anything else in Jesus' name. Amen. I reached over to cut that 34 Dodge on, and I looked over. And I, did you ever look in a graveyard and the tombstone said, And I said, Lord, have mercy. And then looked like that tombstone said, Don't worry, man. You don't have to preach. <laughs> we'll be after you. I said, Excuse me, I'll go to preaching today. Bless God, I want to tell you something. And brother, I want to preach it. Third revival I ever held, I held it in Upper Baptist Church. Little boy walked every night. Daddy beat the blood out of him Saturday night. He was, Daddy was a drunk. I preached two weeks in that church. And the last, ever not that little boy come up to me and say, Hey, Brother Mays. So I like you. I say, I like you, feller. He say, Preacher, I want to preach when I get big. If Jesus will let me preach, I said, I believe he will. And on Friday night, he came, held his breeches leg, and I saw his daddy beat the blood out of him. And Sunday night, when I got ready to leave, he's gone. I said, Where'd he go? And all my aunts and uncles and in-laws, and they're all there because I, I'm from that vicinity. And he was gone. Then I felt the little boy pull my breeches leg. I said, hey, oh, hey. He said, I couldn't leave, Brother Mays. He said, I want to give you something. Had those little overhauls on. He reached down in his overhaul pocket. He pulled out two pennies. And he said, I'm going to talk to you in his language. It's better. He said, it's in your and it's in mine. He said, I don't have much money. He said, Mama has to work. And my daddy drinks. But said, I love you, Brother Mays. And this is your penny. And, 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 and I looked at him, I said, oh, I, I said, hey, pay what you do. I said, you take your penny, if you call it tomorrow, you buy you the biggest BB bat sucker. That's when you can buy them for a penny. And I said, when you buy that on that BB bat sucker, you say, that's Brother Mason's love offering. And he choked and swallowed and tears came in his eyes again. He said, I don't want no BB bat sucker. He said, I want to give you this love offering. And I reached out like a piece of hot acid from Niagara. It fell in my hand. That little boy turned and cried out loud and looked out the window. And I wanted to reach down and put my arms around him. And I wanted to tell him. And about the time I started to reach down and put my arms around him, he turned back around, wiped away the tears, that little blue shirt. He said, I love you so good. I'm going to give you my penny too. And he dropped it. <laughs> oh, and he dropped it in my hand. He kissed me on the cheek and ran out barefooted out to go home. Did you know a few years later I went back to Hendersonville, North Carolina, and Calvary Baptist Church, laid my hands on him to preach the gospel. That little old boy looked up at me and said, Brother Mays, where are the two pennies? I said, I got them in my cedar chest. And when I get discouraged and I get that, I go get them out. I hold them up and say, this is yours and this is mine, Jesus. But, oh, I love you so good. I want to give you my penny, too. And I said, something. I wouldn't take a million dollars for those pennies. I said, how blessed they are. How blessed they are. Whoa, you see, Brother Mays, that little boy gave me the best that he had. He gave me the two pennies. That's all he had. 
as a bear. He'd been saving those babies. That's all he had, but he said, Pichality. Now let's come to the last thing. There's the broken heart. And let me say this tonight. Until God breaks that heart all to pieces, you'll never be worth anything to God. Psalm 51 said, A broken heart and a contrite spirit I will not despise, said the Lord. But sometimes God has to break your heart. I was telling Billy about a story. I may tell it tomorrow night. I won't tell you tonight. It broke my heart. I have three sons. Two of them are preachers. And I thank God for that tonight. They're old-fashioned preachers. One of my sons finished Avondale High School when he was 15 years old. He went to University of Georgia and finished before he was 19 years old. Got his master's degree before he was 21. And listen to me. I thank God for him. I've got a boy that's down here in an old-fashioned church that loves God and shouts the victory. He finished the University of North Carolina next year. He told me, he said, Daddy, he said, all I want to do is serve God. All I want to do is to be what God wanted me to do. But I have a third son. If anybody's a genius in my family, he is. I can't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you tomorrow night. Something broke my heart. I had a preacher friend not too far from here. And I'll give you something that broke his heart. I told him, well, Billy, I wanted to tell you. And he said, Preacher, I'd go with him. He'd say, I love my child. And if you ever call it last of Monday, the only time you can catch me. And I've never, Brother House, but you, tell you, you can never, I'm there to make tapes. I'm there to get on another airplane, go Tuesday, and I'm gone. But on one Monday night, about six years ago, I picked up the phone. I said, Hello! It's about a quarter of ten. And the said, Hello, Brother Mays. I said, Hello! He said, I, I thought maybe it's Kelly or Sexton or maybe Carlton or somebody kidding me. But I hit a note of sincerity. I said, No, that's real. That's genuine. That's not a preacher coming to Atlanta. He said, Buck Mays, you remember me and told me who he was. I said, Yeah, you're a preacher's boy. I've been in your daddy's church many times. He said, Yes. He said, Brother Mays, I haven't been home in 11 months. I haven't written, I haven't called, I haven't heard from him in 11 months. And he said, I'm here in the bus station in Atlanta. And said, Brother Mays, I haven't eaten a bite in three days and three nights. And I asked a nice policeman to get a hold of you, and we got a hold of you. We called the radio station, and they gave us your number. And I was supposed to do it, but they did. said, Can you come and... I want to get right with God. I said, son, you wait. I'll hit 20. I'll hit 85. I'll hit King Street, and I'll be there at the, post. I'll be there at the bus station. Brother, just I run out of the house and watch it. Where are you going? I said, I'm headed for do something for God. And I jumped in my car and backed that around. Went out and hit 20, hit 85, hit King down, up back, down to the Greyhound bus station. Pulled up in the back and couldn't find a parking place. Said, no parking. I, I, don't, I don't do this, but I did that. And I pulled away the baggage for we. And about time I got out of thinking, Hey, buddy, you can't park there. I said, I'm a preacher. He said, go ahead. I'll watch it. Hallelujah. I said, hey, man. I was glad I was a preacher. I went to that bus station. They were going from Maine to Miami. I looked over in the corner, and I sat in so crying. I walked over to him, and he grabbed me with the legs, and he said, pray for me. 
He's trembling. I got him behind. <laughs> some was going to Louisiana. Some was going to Birmingham. Some was going to Chattanooga. Some was going to Charlotte. But we're on our way to heaven. <laughs> oh, brother, you talk about it getting good. It's getting blessed. And brother, about that time, he got right with God. And me and him had us a time right there shouting and crying. Did you ever shout in the bus station? <laughs> Brother, it sure is good. I want to tell you something that's good. And I, I forgot to. I, I said, now, he said, I want to go home. I said, okay. You sit right here. I went over. I said, what time you got a bus going north? And what time will it get in this town? He said, we got one leaving in 20 minutes. It's seven hours and 15 minutes on that Greyhound. I said, give me one-way ticket. He gave me a one-way ticket, and I went over I called his dad. His mother answered the phone. She said, hello. Oh, she said, Brother Mays, I thought it was my boy. I said, I got good news. She said, honey, it's Brother Mays. He's got good news about him. About that time, he picked up the phone and said, Mays, is he all right? I said, I'm looking at him. I said, he looks the best I ever saw. <laughs> I said, you remember that shell filling station up there? Yeah. I said, behind the shell filling station, your little town's that bus station. I said, in 18 minutes, he'll get on that bus. And I said, after that, it'll be seven hours and 15 minutes. Will you be there to meet him? He said, Preacher, we'll come in Atlanta. I said, no, I've already got his ticket. You be there in the morning. He'll be on that bus coming home. And brother, I said, God bless you, Preacher. And I hung up and I went over there and I said, all right, son, you got 17 minutes. You hungry? He said, hungry. No work for it. But said, I, I, I'm so happy I don't work. I could eat. I said, come on here. I got him a tray. You're going to the Greyhound bus station in Atlanta. We went like this. Country style steak. I said, get you some of that. He said, Southern fried chicken. I said, get you some of that. He said, he said, stew beef and potatoes. I said, get you some of that. I said, Lord, he's gonna break me, but bless God, we're gonna eat. Hallelujah. We talked about. When he got it all fixed up with all the vegetables, and I said, son, you better hurry. We haven't got but about 15 minutes. Went over in the corner there. You ever seen anybody eat? <laughs> You've seen folks eat ham and eggs. <laughs> you ever seen anybody eat chicken and tears? <laughs> and after he prayed, thank God, boy, we had a time. Listen, I used to be a good imitator. Let me tell you boys, you preacher boys something. Don't imitate another preacher. Worst thing in the world, be yourself. God didn't call but one Rodney Bell. God didn't call but one Benny Kelly. God didn't call but one May Saxon. God wants you to be yourself. And, but, but I can imitate some pretty good. I was imitating the preacher I was with the other day, just today, and Brother Carlson said, you sound just like him. But I was there, was getting through eating. He said, boy, getting through eating. His wife in tears and thanking God about that time. He said, Greyhound Lines, announcing departure, all points north, gate 18. Board Greyhound Lines, gate 18, all points north. Thank you. I said, that's yours. Five minutes, and bud, you've got to be on. We went out there, and the fellow standing there, this cat, his fixing tickets, and getting on. I said, do you mind if I stay with him a little longer? He said, no, I know how it is, father and son. Stay with him as long as you want. <laughs> I looked over, and that old priest was standing there, and he said, help yourself, Reverend, help yourself. <laughs> Boy, you talk about getting juicy. Finally, that driver said, I'm sorry, we'll have to board. And he, he reached up and put his arm around me and said, Bye, Brother Mace, I'll send you money back. I said, Don't you do it. I want that blessing. Just get home, get in the church, and help your dad. Serve God, that's all I ask you to do. 
got on that bus and the big silver door closed. Silver door closed, left the air out of the, the, the brakes and backed out and started down King Street and I just followed it. An old policeman walked up beside me. He took off his hat. I believe if I'd have stood there five more minutes, he'd have taken off his gun. Go with the gun. You talk about a time, brother! We're having a time. Somebody said, brother. I got in that car and I went home and I said to my wife, I said, I'm sleeping down in the basement. She said, what's wrong? I said, I'm sleeping in the basement. Got my clock, went downstairs and set that clock 15 minutes before it took the drive. Alarm is still dark. I got up and I could see that old Greyhound silver bus headed that way. About 13, 11, 9, 7, 5, 4, 3. I could see her topping my last hill. I could see a little old mother standing out there, couldn't wait for that door. And a dad had about that time I could see him pull in behind that shell filling station, open that door, and that boy just fell in my arms. You know what I did down there? I said, Whoa! I came upstairs and my wife said, Mace, what's the matter down there? I said, Bless God, he just got home. That's what's the matter. home. Praise the Lord. He arrived home. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. I saw him later. He wasn't re- rebel. He wasn't a hippie. He wasn't one that was arrogant. You say, what was he? A broken-hearted Christian holding his old dad's hands up as he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A broken heart. 